Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. It's Tuesday, it's owner's stories, and we are up to number 49. Um, I'm running a little bit late. I always say this at the beginning of most of the owner's stories. Uh, this one's very early in the morning for me. Uh, it's almost 7 a.m. here in Bahrain. Um, I'm about to get onto Zoom. I'm about to fire up the Zoom, and I'm going to get Brian on the line. Uh, Brian is coming in from, I think, Silicon Valley, he told me. I'm not sure exactly where, but he said Silicon Valley. Um, and Brian's got an interesting story and a story that I think a lot of us would go through. Um, and it's about choices and it's about buying something and then realizing you want something else. Um, and I think it's going to be something that you guys can relate to. Um, so I'm not going to ramble on anymore. I'm not going to chat anymore. Um, as I've said in all the other owner stories, if you want to be on a Porsche Cooled owner stories, you just uh, contact me <clears throat> through, you can tell it's early in the morning, can't you? You can just contact me through uh, Instagram, uh, Porsche Cooled on Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow when you're there. And also michael.bath at, uh, on, on Instagram, same place. Um, anyway, episode number 49, let me get Brian through Zoom and let's talk about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories, number 49. Um, I didn't actually mention this to Brian before I introduced him, but I actually got my times mixed up and I actually came online yesterday because I, I, I'm in such a bit of a daze at the moment with, with, with a project we're working on in Dubai that I just don't know where I am. Um, so I came on briefly yesterday and as soon as I turned on the uh, Zoom, I realized, I thought, hang on, this is a wrong day. Um, so anyway, I'd like you all to welcome, uh, welcome Brian to the podcast. Uh, Brian's coming in from... Silicon Valley in California. Uh, Brian has his first 911. It's his second Porsche. Um, good evening, Brian. How are you today? Hi, Michael. I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on to the podcast. And I'll just explain to the listeners. Um, I kind of ignored you for a second, but I didn't mean to. I just sort of lost track of, <laughs> I kind of lose track of um, some of the messages sometimes. But uh, Brian contacted me quite a while ago, wasn't it? It was a few months back, I think. Yeah, I think so. When I bought my first Porsche. Yeah, when you bought your, bought your first Porsche. And then you contacted me again and said, you've got your second one. So we got you on um, so the guys can hear your, hear your story. So let's just get straight into it, Brian, because I think we've got a lot to talk about with, with cars and watches today. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to always start with the same question. And the question is, you know, where did it all begin for you? Um, as I've always said, for me, uh, it happened later in life. Was Porsche something that was always in the background when you were growing up? Was it something that, you know, uh, a family friend had or parent had, or was it something you just started noticing, you know, just recently? So it actually started quite early for me in the, the house that I grew up in, uh, the neighbor across the street, uh, the, the gentleman that lived there had a, I don't remember the model, but he had a green Targa. This is in the late, early eighties. So maybe, a, I, I can't even guess what it was, but, uh, you know, he was a tennis playing guy, you know, kind of a country club guy and he'd always <laughs> show up and get out and he'd have his white tennis clothes on. He, he just struck me as a cool dude. And, um, one day when I was like probably six or seven years old, I, I'd got locked out of our house. Right. And so I walked across the street over there and said, Hey, uh, I'm locked out. Do you mind if I hang out here for a little while? And they're like, Oh yeah, fine. No problem. Uh, do you want to, do you want to go for a ride in the car while you're waiting? And I, 
Yeah, absolutely. I would. So, um, funny story before we went for a ride, they said, are, are you thirsty? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take something to drink. And they said, do you want a Coke? And I'm like, what's a Coke? You know, my parents have not <laughs> let us have soda. And it's like, yeah, I'll try that. I remember I had one sip and through the roof, but anyway, he took me for a ride in his Targa and I thought, man, this is the coolest thing, you know, I've ever seen. And then, you know, we, times go on and, and we moved away and Porsche was kind of off my radar for a while um, until maybe three or four years ago, really, I started thinking about it and I was paired up with a new engineer at work and, um, he had moved out from Colorado and we were going out to see a customer and I said, okay, well, I'll meet you in the garage and I don't know what you drive or whatever, but you know, around the corner comes this, uh, yellow, what it, what ended up being a, a 996 C4S. Oh, okay. Nice. And I, I thought, God, wouldn't it be funny if that was actually him in this in this 911 and then he rolls the window down it was like oh my god you, it, it is you and your 911 <laughs> so you know i i guess since then it's 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 something that i've been thinking about and i just you know assumed oh porsche hundred thousand dollars doesn't matter how old how new what it is i'm never gonna buy one so it doesn't really matter uh until probably the last six months when i when i really got the bug yeah i think you I think you're spot on there. It is. It, it was always the same with me. It was always like it was too expensive. You know what I mean? It was either in the back of my mind it was too expensive to, to upkeep, too expensive to service, or it was it sure. too expensive to get into. Um, and then when you start looking at prices and you start looking at used prices, you realize, hey, I can get into it. I love the, I love the guy, the 80s, the 80s uh, Porsche guy and the tennis gear. I think that's just the picture. I'm seeing an 80s movie here <laughs> with this guy getting yeah, out of for it. Sure. Please don't tell me. It wasn't red, was it? It wasn't a red Porsche as well? No, it was like a forest green of, okay. of some kind. It was really cool. That's cool. That's cool. So, okay, so you... You have these memories as a kid, you know, you, the guy at work has the, has the yellow 4S, the 996. How does your car journey start, though? Because I know a lot of us, we don't always get into Porsche first. Some of us, you know, are into German cars uh, and, and make our sort of progression into Porsche. What was the, what was the first sort of memorable car that you had through, uh, over your car journey? Well, I don't want to take you through every car. I've owned a lot of cars in my 45 years, but... You know, I guess one of the most memorable was my first car, which at the time was a, it was a 1980 Honda Accord, you know, in, in that old sort of mint green, you know, early 80s Honda color. And it, it had 100,000 miles on it. And, uh, you know, I drove that thing into the ground. But um, I've always kind of been a collector, you know, sort of in, in by nature. Um, and, and my watch collecting journey started, you know, very young with a, with a little, uh, Pac-Man watch, but, um, you know, I was always fascinated by nice cars. You know, my parents, uh, you know, we were a middle-class family and, uh, my father always had cars provided to him, you know, company cars for work. Uh, and then my mother drove, you know, station wagons and then minivans, um, because she had three kids to tote around. Yeah. And I remember asking my father one day and like, why don't we have a Porsche? Why don't, why don't we have a Ferrari? And I remember them telling me one day, well, you know, we, we could, we just choose to do other things with our money. And that, 
but it blew my mind as a kid, like, wow, we could actually afford one of those, but we don't. <laughs> so What's that's, wrong with us? <laughs> that's the turning point when you realize your parents are quite rich, when you realize your parents are quite, you know, they've done well for themselves and they have the money to do it. But it is about practicalities, isn't it? We all talk about this. Yes. And so many people on owner stories, Brian, you know, it's the same thing. You know, we, you go through this period of someone said the other day, very boring and non-memorable cars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that happen in the lead up. But I think it's interesting how you said you prefer, you know, your parents said you put, they put their money elsewhere. Is that how it sort of started with you? Did that kind of rub off on you in a way as in, you know, and I'll tell the listeners, you know, we'll talk about it. But you're, you're an avid watch collector, as you said. You know, you collect yep. watches, you collect Rolex. Was that the thing that was a, more of a priority to you than, than getting, you know, a Ferrari or a new Porsche? So it, it actually was exactly the opposite. It okay. is. It, I grew up thinking, well, you know, why, why would I have money and save it when I could go buy a BMW or I could go buy, you know, a Submariner, which through <laughs> high school was like, you know, the, the, the end all be all, you know, of, of ultimate things. So, yeah. you know, it actually ended up working out opposite. And my father, you know, later in life and told me, gosh, I wish we would have talked a little bit more about this because you've, <laughs> you've gone through quite a few cars and you've spent a lot of money on some pretty weird things. And yeah, um, yeah. so it, it, it backfired, I guess. <laughs> okay. So you have the Honda Accord, you have any other memorable cars you want to tell the listeners about, or is that, is there anything else that was, that was, you know, uh, substituting for a Porsche that you were sort of always wanted to have during, during that um, time? You know, I think like many, many of us, uh, BMW, I had a couple of early three series. I had a, you know, sort of the, the famed 325 IS and the older sort of sled-like two-door uh, coupe, which was was super cool. Um, and I went through quite a few of those. And, and I remember the first time I was able to get a new one, I ordered a a 330 uh, with, the, with the M Sport trim okay. package. Uh, and to me, that was just sort of the, the pinnacle of, of car ownership and the performance was amazing. And, and, you know, I got to spec every little thing back when, you know, you could order a car and 40 days later it would show up at the dealer. Those are the good old days. The good old days. I was going to say, yeah, the good old days. Yeah. But it happened to be right before my son was born. And, and so I thought, God, I can't be ripping around town with my young son in the back of this car. So, um, that lived a very short life with me and and we went into a to a, a you know a Lexus hybrid SUV and my my car sort of aspirations had to die for a little while okay did you find back to the BMW because you've you've owned yeah. one of the iconic ones one of the ones that people are searching out for now and are harder well they're harder to find in Australia and I think even in the UK they're becoming harder to find the 325 IS was that something at the time when you owned that car was it something that you thought was a special car or it was just a normal BMW? Uh, it, it was special to me because it was my first, but there was no, um, there was no feeling, you know, back then nobody was any the wiser, right? It was just, yeah. you know, I'm lucky to have a BMW. It's pretty sporty. It's two seater. You know, my girlfriend at the time loved it. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I would have known now, uh, you know, like everything, you know, what I knew back then, but it, it, it ended up after like eight months, I got in a, got in an accident in, in the rain and it got totaled, but, oh, okay. um, no, I, it, it was just a BMW really. I remember I used to work with someone 
going back now quite a long, quite a few years. And they had a very old one of those and it was so beat up, but it wasn't a convertible and it wasn't the coupe. It was like a Targa top one where the back of the, the back folded down, the back part of the back window folded down. Have you ever seen those? Very, yeah. No. I, I was thinking about this the other day because I was speaking to someone else who also owned the same car, the 325 IS. Um, and I was thinking about that car, that it did come in as some sort of a Targa version, which I kind of forgot about, which was kind of a cool car when you saw it. Um, I don't think there was very many made, though. All right. So you go into the cars, you go into the family cars, you know, you've got bigger responsibilities than, than driving around in a Porsche. What happens? When does the, when does the, let's, let's get onto the first Porsche. So we have enough time to talk yep. about the watches as well. So the first Porsche, you decide you want one. You're still not ready for a 911. You still need something more practical. So how do you, what do you start searching for when you decide, okay, I'm going to get a Porsche? So I, I was a hundred percent ready for a 911, having at the time never even driven one, right? Mm. Um, and at the time we had a, uh, I bought a Jaguar F-Pace, the the SUV, in, okay. in its first year. Yeah. And it was it was a great car in a lot of ways and terrible in all the Jaguar ways, but it was a twin, uh, sorry, a supercharged, you know, 380 horsepower, and it was my first like sort of proper European performance car. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, three, four months ago, you know, I'd come off, uh, some pretty good times at work and just thought, you know, that was getting a little long in the tooth and, uh, it was probably time to, to dive into a Porsche. So I, I broached the subject with my wife and, and said, Hey, I'm going to start looking for a 911. And she said, you're, you're crazy. We, <laughs> we have a, a four door family sedan and a, and a Tesla and, you can't get a you can't get a 911. Where are we going to put everything when we go to the mountains? Where are you going to do this? What are you? Gonna, and and I think she sort of had that same feeling too of Porsche. It's a hundred thousand dollars. No chance. No no way. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay. Well, how about we get three cars? And she's like, oh, you're out of your mind. No chance. So, all right, fine. I got to pick my battles, right? And uh, I actually went to a local dealership to go drive some Cayans. Um. And it was, I had driven a couple, uh, you know, certified pre-owned ones and it just wasn't giving me the experience I needed. You know, they're naturally aspirated. I had a, a supercharged, you know, SUV. Yeah. Um, and so I went back to the dealership kind of deflated and the guy said, well, I know what you're coming from. Have you ever tried a Macan? And I was like, no way, man. I, I would never, it sort of had like this boxster connotation, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I said, I, I would never drive one of those. He said, look, I've got an S on the lot. Uh, it's, it's twin turbo. Give it a shot. Just take it out, come back whenever you want and let me know what you think. And man, I was hooked right away. So I was actually looking into buying a car that he had. Right. Uh, and then did as we always do and got online and I found, uh, basically the same car with a slightly better spec at a different dealer for like nine grand less than what they were asking. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, certified pre-owned, you know, it had 18,000 miles on it. Um, and, uh, it, it was, it, the experience was, was very euphoric. It's like, you know, my first Porsche and it's actually practical and, you know, it's low miles. And I, I just never knew such a thing existed. So tell, just tell the listeners exactly what you bought. Um, so you bought it from a Porsche dealer or you bought it from a, just a, a specialist dealer? Yeah, I bought it from a Porsche dealer. Um, at that time, that was important to me to get a certified car because, you know, like we discussed earlier, it's 
well, you know, oil changes must be 500 bucks and maintenance must be a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely want one certified. Um, and it, you know, he just happened to have this, this really well-priced low mileage example. So it was, it was a white Macan S with black leather. I uh, had a premium plus package, which is, you know, it had the moon roof and had heated and cooled seats. Um, you know, it, it had all the bells and whistles. And, and to be honest, like, the thing that I was most excited about is the cooled seats, you know, there's <laughs> pl- plenty of summers and dress shirts getting out with a, with a wet back and from sitting in a sweaty car. And, um, but you know, obviously PDK and is the first time that I'd driven a PDK car man, what a, what a transmission and, and what an experience that was. So what model year is it, Brian? It was a 2018. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you made the right decision with the Macan. I mean, you know, Steve talks about his, or his wife's, you know, turbo that they yeah. bought and that was used and, you know, buying them used is, you know, his was probably, I think his is about a 2013 or something like that. It's quite, it's a lot older, 2013, 2015, maybe. Um, but you know, buying it used and, and saving, I mean, he, he saved a big chunk of money on that car being the turbo. He saved a lot because when he was looking, you know, the GTS was more expensive than the turbo used. The turbo was less than the GTS, um, which was a bit strange. And it seems to still be the case in Australia anyway, on Australia used market. But so the, the, the deciding factor for the Macan was, was mainly the transmission though, when you drove it, because I've heard this story before that people get into the Cayenne, um, and it is... It, that transmission's a bit of a letdown because it's not PDK. Was that the right. deciding factor, the, the, the small sportiness of the Macan? Yeah, for sure. It was the, you know, it was the transmission. It was the lack of, you know, sort of that turbo supercharged punch that I was used to. Um, it just, it seemed, honestly, it seemed like it would have been a bit of a downgrade for me. And, and in my head, you know, the way I've, I'm quite an impulsive guy sometimes and, I'm driving back to the dealer trying to rationalize it to myself. Like, okay, well, it is still a Porsche and I've always wanted a Porsche and it's this <laughs> and it's that, but you know, oh, I, I, I just couldn't live with the performance of this thing. And, um, so it was kind of, it was all of those things. Yeah. So let's get on to that. So you, you wanted a 911. Your wife says yes. you're crazy at that time. Your wife yep. said you're crazy. So you buy the Macan. <laughs> How long before, when you're driving the Macan, and how long before did you think, hang on, I really do want a 911? How long did that so take? This, about two weeks. Two weeks, and, okay. Yeah. That's not good. And, and this is where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm holding you and Steve and Spike <laughs> and Zimmerman, uh, Zuckerman and all these guys accountable because then I started, you know, really getting into the brand um, and listening to the podcast. And really doing some research that way. And I'm hearing, I'm thinking, God, maybe I'm just an anomaly here. But then I started listening to some of your owner stories. And um, I think there was a gentleman in Chicago, 996 Shy, who's who's got a Macan and then got a 996. And like, okay, well, maybe I'm not alone here. And, and, you know, I just, uh, I typed in Porsche 996 one day and three or four of your episodes showed up and I listened to every single one of those. And then, you know, my brain just starts going in a million different directions on maybe I've made a mistake here, or maybe there's an opportunity to add something. Um, But, but it wasn't until I I like to really get into brands or people or, or whatever, when I'm into it, it's, it's, I think part of the collector mentality. 
Uh, and it's so two weeks in, you know, I'm actually driving my Macan listening to your podcast going, this is not going to, this is not scratching the itch. I've, I've got to have a 911. Okay. So, and I think, you know, the podcast, the Portugal podcast, I guess there's been a lot of people on with 996s. You know, there was a lot of owner stories there with a lot of 996 owners. So it is, I guess, that, you know, there is a lot of great information from people who have bought the car. And there's been a lot of Cabriolet. There's been a lot of Cabriolet owners as well for the 996. Yeah. So do you think, though, you, you, you know, you've got other cars in your garage. You've got, you know, Teslas and, and other cars. Do you think, okay, I'm going to keep the Macan? Did you keep the Macan or did you sell the Macan? So for a hot minute, I thought I've got to find a way to keep the Macan because, you know, it's low miles. It's sort of, it's under warranty for, you know, forever. And um, I really do like it. But, you know, knowing, knowing my wife, I knew there was no way she was going to let us own two Porsches. <laughs> So I had to sort of come to grips with it's it's one of the two has to go and I've got to figure out, you know, do I really want a 911 that bad or not? And, and I drove them a con like, I guess you could say like, like I'd get up early during the week and I'd get a coffee and open the roof and I'd go on the back roads, the local back roads and put it into sport mode. And, you know, I really drove it like a sports car. Um but I knew there was no way she was going to go for it. And I think at the time as well, uh, you know, the car market is, as you know, has gone bananas. Yes. And um, uh, I thought, well, maybe I can get a little more for this thing than I bought. And I, I put quite a bit of money down. So I, I had a, a pretty good equity position in it. Um, and so I started researching what people would pay for my car. And I ended up selling it for, I think, $2,800 more than I paid. So I found That's an opportunity great. to make a little money mm. uh, in a pretty short time. And um, that's part of how I rationalized it, you know, in, in my own head. How short was this time, Brian? How long did you own it for? I uh, Maybe two months. Two months. Okay. Yeah. And you've heard, you probably heard Steve talk on the, on the Friday's episode of the podcast before about his wife's Macan being the turbo. And, mm-hmm. and he feels the same as just not I mean, obviously, he's comparing it. He's getting out of his 997 GT3 and he's getting into the Macan. It just doesn't feel the same. You know, as nice as it is, you know, the PDK and everything and inside the cabin, but it just isn't, it isn't a 911. So how do you see the Macan? Do you see the Macan? Is the Macan like the Tudor to the Rolex? Is that how you see it? Or is it something else? You know, I, I, I originally saw it that way. That's a great, a great comparison. And then once I drove it, though, I realized... You know, this is not the case. And, and, you know, I had watched a million YouTube videos on the Macan, and I was pretty convinced that the four-cylinder Macan was kind of the tutor to the Rolex. And I, and I always kind of felt like, you know, like I joined my uh, the, the local chapter of PCA, the Porsche Club of America, and they asked you what kind of car you have. And I'm like, do I tell the truth? Or do I say, you know, I drive something cool. And I'm like, oh, I drive a Macan S, and you put the VIN in there. And I always felt like, I'm halfway yeah. there and it's silly, I know, but um, it was just something that I got hung up on. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, Stephen in Sydney, who's got the 66912 that's getting restored, had a Macan or still has a Macan. I can't remember. Sorry, Stephen, if you're listening. And I think he was, 
I'm getting I'm losing my train of thought. I think he had the same sort of thoughts. You know what I mean? That, that he wouldn't be welcomed mm-hmm. into Porsche Club. He wouldn't be welcomed by the drives and stuff like that. And right. he was saying no. He went on all the you know the Porsche Club of New South Wales drives in Australia, and he you know the community was great, even though he had a Macan. You know what I mean? So I think right. I think Porsche people in general are quite welcome welcoming because you can they can see that you're getting into the brand. Um, and they can see that you you know you will progress to something you know most people do progress to a 911 or to a Boxster or to something something more sportier than 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 an SUV than a smaller SUV. So you haven't owned this car for very long. You spontaneously decided you're going to sell it. It's not giving you that feeling that you wanted because you know deep down you wanted a 911. Um, and we all go through this process. You know what I mean? We all go through this process. We all start looking for a certain a certain Porsche. Whether it be even if you're looking for a 996 to a 997, we always like decide what we want. And I know some people make not the wrong decision, but the right decision at the time, which turns into be the wrong decision, and then move into mm-hmm. something else. So you've got the Macan, you sell it. Do you find the your next Porsche, the 911? How do you find that? Do you find that locally? Is it at a dealer? How does that come about, Brian? Yeah, so I didn't sell it right away. I, I thought I'd dip my feet in the water a little bit. And, I, and you know, I had told my sales guy at uh, the Porsche dealer, like, if you see a nice 996 or 997, you know, let me know. Um, and, um, you know, we had, I'd gotten to know him quite well because, you know, like I said, I really like getting into things. And um, I said, well, you know, let's talk about new Porsches. Not that I'm going to buy one, but it was like, well, you know, it used to be, if you wanted a GT car, you'd have to get an allocation for it. But these days, you've got to get an allocation just to, to order a 992, for example, because the lead times are so long. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, I should go drive one of these things. Because mind you, I had not driven a 911 at this point. I just decided I got to have one of these things. And so I went on Auto Trader and Cars, you know, all the usual sites, and I went down to this very lowbrow independent that had a, um, it was an O3 C4S 996. Okay. I thought, okay, well, these guys don't know me. I don't know them. I'm never going to, I'm just going to go drive the car and see what I think. And I got in the car and it, it started really rough. Uh, and he's like, oh yeah, it's been sitting here for a while. And, <laughs> and so we drove it on the freeway and it was making all kinds of noise, squeaking and rattling and, you know, on my way back to the, the dealer, the car died on the road. Really? And, and I, I got out and I'm like, hey, pal, I, I, I can't sit here all day for this tow truck to come. But, um, and it was within walking distance to the store anyway. So I'd walk back there. But then in my head, I'm thinking, what am I doing? Like, I've got all these modern creature come. I've got, you know, electric assisted steering. I've got ventilated seats i've got pdk and this thing just really took the wind out of my sails um and so i just decided okay this must be an anomaly i'll just keep looking so again i back to the normal sites and um there's a dealership an independent a porsche independent uh that was around the corner from a place i used to work 25 years ago okay um and used to go by there all the time and look at the porsches at this it was probably you know first generation 996s at the time. And I thought, I'll go to their site and see what they got and 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 the car that I ultimately bought they had. And um, so I went down there after doing a bunch of research and talked to the guy and drove a couple of cars and um, and decided that way. That's how I found it. 
So the car you found, um, what, yes. what was the deciding factor? What was the deciding factor though? Why did you buy that car? Um, I think it was a couple things. One, it was a 996 and, and I just decided from the research that, you know, budget wise, that was probably the right thing for me. Um, it was a cabriolet. I did not want a cabriolet. Uh, it's a Tiptronic. I, I was fairly convinced I didn't want a Tiptronic. Um, having never driven one, it's just the community tells you, oh, you buy a manual or nothing, right? Yes. Okay. Um, but it was a one owner local car um, that had, it, it, he didn't have actual service records, but in the Carfax, every single service was documented and what they had done. Okay. And sort of, I could see, you know, okay, this was done at regular intervals. Um, in fact, the last, I was just looking at it the other day, the last six years, the car has only been driven, I think, 1,800 miles in the last six oh. years. Okay. So I All thought, right. okay, well, in the... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Is the market being the way it was, you can't be, and I think I learned this from you, you, you can't be too picky about things. You can't. And that's how I am with the 912 and I kept missing, I've missed out on so many and now the prices are going absolutely crazy. Like bring a trailer yeah. the other day, there was one that sold and I, I can't even say the price, it was so high. It was a good example, but it was just, it's 911 money now. It's, it's getting to 911 yeah. money, which is insane. Okay, so tell the listeners, we haven't mentioned it, it's in the title, but tell the listeners exactly what you bought. And I know you know exactly what options the car has because I've seen the image <laughs> on your Instagram. So let's go through the car, let's go through the options, and then I want to talk to you about um, the service history and the Tiptronic as well after that. So what did you buy, Brian? So I bought an 01-911-996 C2 Cabriolet. Uh, it's in lapis blue. Uh, which is not a color that was on my radar. It's it's black leather interior, uh, and it is a Tiptronic. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I've I've already run up quite a tab at Suncoast, but um, in, in searching for little things, I'd found that hey, if you just give us your VIN, we'll send you the build sheet. Um, so I've got it in front of me, and it it's got uh, 18 inch, you know, the the turbo look twist wheels, uh, wheel caps, stability management. Uh, the supple leather, so the the softer, um, you know, it looks sort of bit wrinkled. Um, that's um, sorry, Brian. That's exactly what's in the turbo, isn't it? That's the turbo leather, I think. I that's believe so. Yeah. In the nine nine six turbo, yeah, nice feature, nice feature. Um, and it's full leather, so it has the leather dash and 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 all of that. Um, I don't know, floor mats, comfort, Technic, dimming mirrors, um, and leather steering wheel, which. I, ne I replaced before I even picked it up. So it was fairly well optioned for what it was. It's very well optioned. I mean, that option list alone, and I think, you know, it's got the original price on there, hasn't it, on your on your option list on, on Instagram. And I think, what is it, 96-odd thousand, isn't it, the, the original price Yeah, the with original options. base price was 79 and with options, 96, so... So the, the person that yeah the person that originally bought this really did spec it out well. I wonder what Technic package is. Do you know what that is? What include what is? I don't included? have any idea. I have never uh, seen but that it's before. Twenty four hundred bucks. Yeah, I've never seen that before. I wonder what's in that. Um, but uh, you definitely found a look. You know, I can see why you I can see why you were you were tempted and you did buy this car because of all the options and because of the service. It's weird how cars don't come with service history, but the service history is there, isn't it? I mean, it's. It, it's strange that it's not with the car. I guess people just don't think to keep things like that. Yeah. So the Tiptronic, 
Um, and we know all the, you know, the full-on Porsche purists are against Tiptronics. I've had a few people mm-hmm. on owner stories with Tiptronics and, you know, um, and have liked them, have, a, have liked that transmission. Um, Andrew, 911 South, very early owner stories. He had a yeah. 993. I'm going to have to call, pull on my memory here. 993 was a Tiptronic. Um, there's been Cabriolets with Tiptronics. Um, due to the family, you know, wanting that, you know, wanting their wife to drive the car. Um, how was that decision when you had to buy the car? Because you see it, you know, I think the lapis blue is a great color, by the way. I think that's one of the, I know you said it wasn't your first choice, but I think it's actually a pretty nice color in the 996. Um, I think it's one of the nicer blues. Midnight blue and lapis blue, I think are quite nice blues. So what about the Tiptronic? Was it a stumbling point for you? Did you think, mm, I really do want a manual, I'm not going to do this car, or it, you got over that pretty um, quickly. I got over it pretty quickly. Um, to show you how big of a fanboy I am, uh, you know, nine nine Andrew nine nine six South. His the the nine nine six he inherited from his father actually was a Tiptronic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny on on one of the um, on one of the the Instagram accounts. I and I had to set up a whole separate Instagram account, and I'll I'll explain why if you care. But um, a little meme popped up in one of the stories that said. Uh, when are guys going to stop blaming their wives for actually buying Tiptronics? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you don't have to call us out like that. Um, but, you know, I drove it and I was actually pretty impressed. You know, the it's no PDK, but I'm thinking, you know, I haven't driven a manual car in well over 28 years. Uh, and it was actually pretty quick. And I thought, does this thing actually any slower than if I was shifting myself? And when I was looking at my car, I'd actually driven an 08 997.1S, uh, also in a Tiptronic. And it had more horsepower, but I didn't feel it. And, and that car actually had a lot more, it made a lot more noise, squeaking and rattling. And it was another 20 grand. And I just thought, you know, for this is not my last 911, obviously. So for what I'm thinking I'm going to do, you know, this lesser price one is is the uh, is the right way to go and and i i honestly i i expected to hate it and be make excuses to myself why a tip i i don't mind it at all yeah and i think you you've just found a good balance when you bought the car do you know what i mean you've waited up you won a 911 um and andrew you know i think it was andrew actually 911 south that said you know even in the in the roads around his his area um, you know, it was, you had to work it a bit more, but he said it was, you know, it was a good driving experience. There was nothing wrong with the driving experience. I remember him saying that. And, and like I said, other people, I can't remember off the top of my head who they were, but, but he said it was a good driving experience. So it's a well option car. Uh, it's in an unusual color. It's a 996, which everyone wants at the moment. Yeah. Um, you got it at a pretty good price. The Cabriolet is, is coming into its own, really. I mean, people are really looking at the cab again. Especially in, in climates like California and climates like Australia, mm-hmm. people really do want a Cabriolet. And I like the look of the Cabriolet. And I think the 993 is having the same resurgence. You know, the 993 Cabriolet, I think people are, I don't know whether that's Nick Murray's influence or someone else's, but it really is coming <laughs> into, into its own. So you pick up the car. Was there anything that you needed to do straight away? You pick up the car. Before we get into that, actually, well, you pick up the car and you're driving it home for the first time. What's the feeling, Brian? So the, I did have a PPI, uh, you know, taking notes from, from you guys, which I maybe wouldn't otherwise have done. And so there were a few things that needed to get done that 
the dealer had agreed to take care of. So, you know, I had signed for the car. I didn't actually get to drive it home for, you know, seven or eight days. Okay. And so I just had all this pent up, you know, I wasn't able to sleep at night. I'm, I'm watching every YouTube video about nine nights and I'm just driving myself crazy. Right. Yeah. And then driving it home the first time was, was a very high, high and a very low, low because the check engine light came on on my way home. But um, it was euphoric. I mean, it, it's everything that, um, you know, everyone else would have experienced. And, you know, I realized that I'm, I'm, I've become the guy that I used to, to mock, you know, gray haired guy, convertible down, yeah. you know, Aerosmith blasting on the radio and, you know, just with a big grin on his face. And, but that's, that's what it was. That was yeah. exactly how it was. But it's still a good feeling. And don't, it's, you know, for me, that feeling in the back of my head is, what was wrong with me? Why didn't I do this earlier? Do you know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't that you couldn't afford to do it earlier. You just didn't do it earlier. Why didn't I do this earlier? You know, and that's, that's the thought I remember having it at, you know, when I first really drove my 997. So you say you did the PPI. I'm, I'm glad about that. You know, I love the PPI. Yeah. How was the list? What, did it scare you when that list came through? Because we all know they, you know, a lot of places will mark down everything. And Marco, who was on the previous owner story, who's Steve's cousin, with his 996, he said the list was, you know, very, very long. And at first yeah. he just couldn't look at it. Was that how it was for you? It, it actually wasn't too bad. Uh, I don't know that it was the most detailed PPI, but I, I remember calling the shop. And they said, hey, well, you know, it, it's 500 bucks. If you don't want us to take photos and do all this stuff, I'll knock 100 bucks off. I said, okay, well, here are the things that that um, worry me. Um, and the list was actually quite short. So there was um, the PSM and ABS warning light had come on, and they had um, figured it was uh, something to do with the throttle body because the throttle body was loose, so that needed to be replaced. Right. Uh, they found a, a rat's nest. Uh, okay. lodged into the intake manifold, which I've found is not all that uncommon for a car that sits for long periods of time. And rats and rodents apparently like the the soy used in the wiring harness or something like that. Um, so that needed to be removed. It, it needed a new gas cap. Uh, and there was a rear main deck seal for the convertible top that needed to be removed. And, and that was it. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's sort of the anxiety of when you're buying a new house and the inspection comes back and you're just hoping that, you know, there's not a list of a million things. And it, it was all minor stuff. And I told the dealer, look, it's a 20 year old car. I don't expect it to be brand new, but I do expect, I don't particularly want a rat's nest in the thing. And so he said, okay, well, we'll take care of it. I want you to be happy. Da, 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 da. And so it was, it was quite easy. Oh, oh, sorry. They also, they pulled, um, I did have them pull the oil filter and cut it open and look for metal, uh, being that it is a 996. Yeah, I was going to get into that, actually. they didn't find anything. So Okay. So it hasn't had the IMS um, solution done? No, it hasn't. And has your car, has it based on all the service records that you've seen, does it indicate that the clutch or anything has been replaced during ownership? Well... It's a tip, so no clutch. Oh, no clutch. Um, sorry, sorry. Then, what am I thinking of? Sorry. But, but I did go through and started looking at other cars saying, well, I wonder if it will call it out on a Carfax. Will it say, you know, alternator replaced, water pump, yes, IMS, yes. and it, does, it doesn't. Um, so I guess the, the advice was look for clutch replacement, and if that's been replaced, hopefully it's been done. Um, 
but no, it, it hadn't been done. You know, I had brought that up and, and cylinder scoring up with the shop and they said, look, it's don't get too worked up over all that stuff. If you service it regularly with us, we'll, he said, it's not like the IMS will just die tomorrow. There yeah. will be some leading indicators. Um, and so he said, look, you, what you ought to do is drive it 3000 miles, come back for an oil change. We'll open the filter again. Mm-hmm. And if we don't ever see anything in the filter, you're probably okay. That's good advice, um, actually. It's good advice. Um, how yeah. about, what was the mileage of your car, Brian? Sorry, the mileage? 63,000 and change. So okay, low so miles. Very low year. miles. Very low miles. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, that you know, the, the cutting open of the oil filter, and I know that, you know, where I take my car in Sydney, I know they do that as well. Um, and it's a good check. I know some people go to the extreme, and, well, they go to the point of, of getting the oil analyzed. Um, is that something yeah. that you would do? I thought about it and I asked them about it and they said, you know what it costs. I don't remember what the, what the price was. Um, but he said, I don't, let's not do that now. I could do that and I could bore scope it and charge you another, you know, eight, $900, but let's just see if there's any, any sort of indicator. And if there is, I'm happy to do the rest. If there isn't, let's not do that. And, you know, like I said, the whole relationship thing and, and it, Maybe this is all part of their scheme, but I thought, ah, well, you know, here's a guy saying he could charge me more, but he's not, and it's sensible. So, yeah, all right, I'm going to follow his advice. Yeah, 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 it sounds genuine. And and you know, we've heard that before. I've heard, you know, who's been talking about driving the car? Oh, that's right, Matt Farah. No one's smoking tie with his Ferraris. Different thing altogether. But you know how that that guy that he uses always says, you know, drive it and then bring it back to me, and then I'll look at it. Mm And I think that's the same with Porsches. I know other people have said that as well. You know, drive it and then we'll check it again and see how it goes. There's no point doing it now if it doesn't need to be done. Um, I think that's, that's good advice. It sounds like it's, it's, it's a good specialist. So you've got the 911. You just said you've been going crazy at Suncoast. I know when I bought my 997, <laughs> I was doing the same because the prices at Suncoast were crazy. The very first thing I bought from Suncoast was a new air conditioning unit, which was a bit crazy because I hated oh. the worn buttons on mine. What are the things you've been buying? What have you been adding to your 996? So I, let's see, my, the first thing I ordered was a, you know, blue leather keychain, you know, cause I'm, I'm just a dork yep. like that. Um, and then I bought uh, new wiper replacements, just figuring it's an old car. I'll buy those. I bought um, a cell phone holder, uh, the, the Rentec one. I bought a, a shelf to replace the, the CD shelf. Cause there is no, I've got okay. the two cup holders, so there's no shelf area. So I bought one of those. I bought the little cup shelf that replaces the ashtray, uh, which I just swapped out myself uh, right. a couple of nights ago. I was quite proud of myself for that. Um, let's see, what else? I bought a, some a cleaner and a conditioner for the convertible top. Um, I bought an owner's manual because I didn't think it had one. Turns out it does. Uh, so just a bunch of small things. Oh, I bought a, uh, the little ring around the ignition, you know, is leather and it's quite worn from, I'm sure just being stabbed with a key for 20 years. Yep. So I bought a new one of those. Yeah. I've got that. Part um, as well. So a bunch of little things. Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking, actually, I want all the listeners to go to, to Brian's Instagram actually. So it's manual 996 or manual 996, M-A-N-U-E-L-L underscore 996 on Instagram. So make sure you go over there and give Brian a follow. The image where you replaced the uh, center console. So you replaced it with the open 
open one. It actually looks really good. But you know what looks really yeah. nice? The leather. And I never realized this on the 996. That deviated stitch detailing, stitch detailing down the center of the center console. It's really, really nice, the leather, um, that leather detailing in, in the 996. Yeah, nice bonus. Yeah, and the seats as well. It looks good. looks good. So what's planned then? Does the car, I mean, it didn't come with a uh, sports exhaust. Um, you've, got a, you've got the cabriolet. You've got the open top driving experience. You can hear the sound. Is the sound enough for you or is it something that you're thinking of, hey, maybe I should get a, maybe I should do a modification here? So before even driving the car, oh, I forgot to mention, I, I bought a uh, upgraded three-spoke sport steering wheel. Oh, okay. uh, before I even took took delivery of the car, I, I I looked on Suncoast and they were like three grand. And, well, I don't want it that bad, but I found one on eBay and uh, the shop swapped that out for me, which was was quite a big difference. But um, no, I um, you know through listening to all of your podcast and your experience, uh, I just decided, having never heard it, that it's going to be too quiet. I do want a sport exhaust, uh, and I had planned to do that on my Macan as well, um, and so. You know, like a good uh, follower, I went to Darren Fister's website and uh, I rang him up and it's like, Fister, this is Darren. I was like, <laughs> hey, Darren, how's it going? <laughs> and I just sort of told him my story and I said, you know, I've been hearing through the community that, um, you know, you're the guy and it's relatively inexpensive. So how does this work? And it turns out I only live probably an hour's drive from him. Oh, even better. So he said... I, yeah. And he said, um, cause I, I think I'd asked him who, who should I use to do this? And so oh, you're just down in San Jose. I'm in discovery Bay, I think it is, or Brentwood. Um, so he said, I don't have any tip nine, nine, six mufflers now, but I should in the next couple of weeks. So just go on the site, make the purchase when they're done, I'll ring you up, just drive up here. He's like, give me an hour. I'll swap them out for you and you'll be on your way. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, that's really cool. I, I've already bought bought and paid for that um the so what, tires, did, you, what did you go for sorry brian what did you go for what finish did you just get the standard finish did you go for the black what did you do in the fist so i i was gonna go standard and then i said what what's the deal with ceramic and he said well ceramic helps dissipate the heat uh, and in your car it runs pretty hot so that's a good idea. and so i thought all right let's um let's just get black i mean nobody's gonna see it um yeah. So, yeah, I ended up just getting a black ceramic finish. Yeah, that's what I have. But it, it's true about the heat, you know. I noticed when I, I mean, I changed mine out when I first got the car as well. And, well, I, I don't think it's just in my mind, but I think the heat is, is reduced. You feel it when you go off a long drive. Mm -hmm. you feel, I can feel it at the back of the car. I find my, that, that my back spoiler goes up less to cool down um, than it did mm -hmm. previously okay. with the original exhaust. So hopefully that's ready soon. I, I can't wait. It's great that you can go straight to Darren, though. He's a, love, he's a great guy. And everyone who hasn't got a Fister exhaust, who's got a 996 or 997, should, should contact Darren. Um, you know, the price is still pretty reasonable. Obviously, the price has gone up since I first yeah. bought it, you know, four years ago, whatever it was now. Um, but I think once you get that, it, it, it's such a good sound. You, you, as soon as you get that fitted, Brian, and as soon as you start up the car, you're just going to smile. Because the sound on idle with yeah. that Fister is just really, really cool. Really, really cool. Okay, so apart from the exhaust, what else? Is there anything else that, that's planned? I don't think, you know, it needs tires. The tires are mismatched. It's got um, Pirelli P0 Rosso's in the back, which are uh, the guy that did the PPI said they're about 50%, but it's got these no-name off-brand. I think they're called Iron Man tires in the front, and, oh, okay. and they're brand new, but I can't 
and I've gone this far, I can't. So I, I don't know if I'm going to just replace the fronts with P0s or, you know, go pilot sports or something all the way around. But other than that, you know, for the car itself, I looked into that PCCM sort of double deck uh, unit. Yes. yes. And um, the dealers all quoted me, you know, like 1900 for the unit, but close to 2000 for install. They said it's an wow. all day job. Wow. Uh, so I'm not doing that. Um, it's it's got a uh, aftermarket Sony CD player in it that that actually has Bluetooth and all that stuff. So I'm I'm quite well sorted uh, with that. And and you know my wife laughs at me, but uh, you know the first couple of times I drove it, I didn't even listen to it. I turned it off. I just want to listen to the car and listen to the engine. So yeah, I'm the same. I, I think I'm pretty well sorted. Did it come with the original unit? Did the did it come with the car or not really? No, no. no. Yeah, that uh, the the Porsche Classic you know, PCM that they're doing at the moment. That's what I've heard from a lot of people that the installation is very very expensive, um, and yeah. I think it's because it, it does actually replace the air conditioning vents. I think on a nine nine six, it's it, it, it it's quite a intricate sort of install. I think that's why it takes them a long time. It's not just mm. simply just pushing in the unit, pulling it out, and pushing it back in. Um, so the paintwork actually, I'm looking at your Instagram. Um, the paint on your car seems to be in really good condition. It really is. I've found a couple of little nicks around the front, but it's a 20-year-old car, so nothing nothing really out of the ordinary. You know, there there are a few sort of swirls if you really, you know, get into it with a light, but I'm I'm overall really happy with the the condition of the paint. And the color as you said is just is stunning. So since you've got it back, you've only been driving the car, you said, for how many days or weeks now? Not very long, oh, right? Three, three days. Yeah. Three days. You've only had it, three it's days. it's going to have to go back to the shop because the check engine light is back on again. But Do they, do they realize what that, what that would be? Is that an easy fix or is they yeah, think it's just so an it, electrical it, thing? It came on on my way home the first time. And so I went from the, the highest of highs to just my heart sinking. Um, and I took it back and they said, well, we, we got a couple of O2 sensor faults. Chances are this thing has just been setting idle for so long and driven so infrequently oh, right, right. that the car is just trying to refigure itself out. So they said, drive it again. If it comes on, come back. We'll reset it again. If it does it a third time, we'll take, we'll take a look at replacing those O2 sensors. But they said we wouldn't even recommend doing it now. And, you know, again, I thought, okay. Well, is that expensive though, the O2 sensors? <laughs> I don't know. I've, right. I've not even looked into it. So what are you doing then? You're just driving it now. That's what you're basically trying to do. Get as many miles on the car as possible. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And I took, uh, took the family out for the first ride on Friday and put the top down and put my eight-year-old son in the back and he had wind blowing through his hair and uh, it was a really cool experience. Fantastic. So yeah. you're enjoying it. Um, and your wife enjoys driving it or she's not driving it yet? So not driven it yet, no, okay. not yet. <laughs> so how is it when you, you know, what are the other cars in, in your garage? Because I thought this is quite interesting. You've got a few, right? You've got a truck, you've got a truck, and you've got an electric. How does it feel going from yeah. the, I'm interested to know, how does it feel going from a 911, analog 911, still analog, you know, even though it's Tiptronic, it's analog. Yeah. How does it feel like going from the 911 to the Tesla? So the, the day, so as you mentioned, we've got a Tesla Model 3 that we bought last October. And the day that I, we all went for a drive in the 996, we were going for dinner at a friend's house. And I said, ah, let's not drive this. It's showing off and da, da, da. So then we drove the Tesla and it was like, 
wow, this is this this these cars couldn't be any more polar opposite. You know, mm. From the most digital car on the planet, from you know one of the most analog, um, and in between, I, I bought actually the same day I signed for my nine eleven. Um, we needed an SUV for you know we've got a house in the mountains and you know, I've got a young son and his friends and. So I bought a used uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee okay. as well, which it turns out I absolutely love. It's just a brilliant car in so many ways uh, and exactly the same horsepower <laughs> as it turns out as really? my 911. Wow. Know, twice as heavy, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a great car. It really is. So you've got a good garage then. You've got a good, uh, good variety. There. You've got a lot of cars. Um, which one do you always go yeah. to? Do you go to the 911 first? So, you know, I've only had it three days. Um, so not yet. We've been, we, we, we tend to drive the Tesla more than anything else because, yeah. you know, to, to go three miles to the store to fire the 911 up and I got to move the Jeep out of the way. And it's, it's all a bit of a, a bit of a shell game. So now we drive the Tesla the most and that's, that's probably our go-to. So tell the listeners about what you, you know, you sent me in the message and I think it's pretty interesting and we have, we do have, um, you know, watch guys on, on the podcast that listen to the podcast. Um, some starting their watch journey, like their Porsche journey, and some who are deep into it, you know, like yourself, and I guess like me at the moment. Um, I thought it was interesting. Just, just the thing about service records and papers, I thought was a really interesting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, correlation. Mm-hmm. Just tell the listeners what you sent me. I thought that was, that was, that was interesting. So I, you know, I've been a pretty avid watch collector for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years or so. And, and when I was in high school, you know, the, the Rolex Submariner was the pinnacle of, uh, um, I don't know, of grand possessions at the time. And I had a picture of it on my wall. And uh, I remember the first time I was able to have the means to purchase one, uh, it was a very similar feeling to, to like the 911. But um you know, as I started to really get into Porsche and and understand the history and and more importantly the market, yeah, uh, I was able to 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 really relate because there are so many similarities. You know, and I'll just run off a couple. One is you guys always talk about buying the seller, and it's the same thing in watches. And and in fact, the last five or six or so years, I've been really into vintage watches, so vintage Rolex primarily, vintage Omega. And you absolutely have to buy the seller. I, the guy I've done probably north of 50 watches with is a guy out in the D.C. area right. that a guy introduced. I've never spoken to him on the phone ever. Never okay. met him. We do everything through Instagram and text. And, and it's because I trust him. Yeah. Right. And so there, there's a handful of really trusted vintage guys out there. You know, he's a uh, lunar oyster. There's... Um, there's Yasek, I think he's watch hand. There's uh, Gray and Patina, Curtis, and and you find these guys that you trust, and uh, you you just do things sight unseen. And then I listen to, uh, you know, some of the stories and people buying cars. It's the same thing. And similarly, it, it's you know, supply chain has thrown us all into into a loop. So you can't walk into a store and buy a new stainless steel Submariner. So the, the guys that want that are ending up buying them on the gray market for 20, 30% more. Exactly. And if they're not willing to do that, they're buying 15-year-old Sapphire models. And the guys that wanted the 15-year-old Sapphire models are now priced out. And so they're buying other things. So I think your point of, I chuckled a little bit but about Panerai coming back. You may not be far off because 
guys that are looking for new modern stuff just have to find other options. Yes. Because Rolex just, you just, you can't get one unless you're really going to pay up. Um, and, and so, I, you know, hmm. sorry, go ahead. No, I think, you know, the thing with Rolex and I think, you know, and maybe a lot of people who are listening don't realize this, but you put a Rolex in for service and Rolex love making things back <clears> to normal modernizing mm-hmm. the, the watch when it goes into service, right? Where they'll change out your dial, they'll change out the glass. So you have to be very specific when you put a watch in for service. And you probably know more about this than me, Brian. Yeah. Um, but when you put a watch in for service, you have to say to them, I don't want that changed. I don't want this changed. Um, and I guess it's, it, it all comes back to the heritage of the watch, to the, to the originality of the watch, like a Porsche, you know, like has it got original glass, you know, is, has it got the original dial? It's sort of like there is, yeah. there is a relationship there that you can see. Um, with the Panerai thing, I think you're right. And I think Panerai, you know, people that know about watches, Panerai has the, has the, you know, the early history with Rolex as well. They, you know, they did have Rolex movements. Um, I think that's correct, right? They did have Rolex movements. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And, you know, there is, and Panerai, you you know, you have to go back to Panerai in, uh, 1999. Um, and it was when it first came out and it started very slowly and then it peaked, I think around what 2003, 2004 was like the, the prime yeah. time, I think, or 2006 up to 2006. And then they just brought out so many models. And it, I guess that as well is a little bit like car manufacturers. You know what I mean? You bring out so mm-hmm. many variants. So people are looking for that, that unique one, you know, the unique one that still exists. And that's what I was talking to you off recording just to let the listeners know, you know, I'm looking now at the, at the Panerai's that were the special editions that were the, the sort of rarer ones, with the ones within reason, not that really, really expensive one, um, but within reason. So I think it's a, it, it, you know, it's a good correlation for sure. It's a good you know, comparison. I want to go back to how, many, service, wa- how many Rolexes so, you have first. What, what was that number? Uh, <laughs> what was that number? So right, right now uh, in Rolex, I've got three uh, one's out for service at the moment. I okay. do also have, um, I guess my most recent was, uh, I think, I think you've got one of these, but well, I can't see it. This is great for radio too, by the way, but I picked up one of these silver, uh, Black Bay 58. Oh, you bought the Black Bay 58. Uh, yeah. Oh, on the NATO right. strap, which I, I, is just super cool. Um, you, you know, Brian, sorry, sorry, the, sorry to interrupt. I was, I wanted that watch so much. Um, and I have a good relationship in uh, London with the, one of the dealers there in, in Canary Wharf where our flat is in Canary Wharf there. And the girl there, Ching, she called me and she got me one quite quickly. And I wanted it so much. But you know that, that point when you go in and you try on the watch and you still love the watch. And it looked great on my wife's wrist. I, I was trying to get my wife to buy it, to take it instead, but she didn't want it. But for me, that 39, I just found... And I know people love, you know, all the Hedinki guys. They love their 36s and their 37s and their 39s. For me, the 39 yeah. just felt a little bit small. Um, it just didn't. And I know it's such a small, you know, amount from a 39 to a 40, but it does actually make a difference. And it just didn't, just didn't work how I wanted it to work, which was unfortunate because it's a beautiful watch, you know, with the strap. It's the same for me. I ordered the one with really the strap is. and it came in and it was just, you know, it's a beautiful watch. So... As you know, and, and some of the listeners know it, then I went and bought the, um, it just happened by chance, I think two weeks later, the Harrods uh, Tudor came in. So I took uh, that instead. One. Yeah, so I took that one instead, which I absolutely love. It's a really great watch and I've been wearing it a lot. Um, it's a great one. I think it, it's largely to do with, with what you're used to. I mean, I don't know your whole collection, but if you've got that, I think that's what, 43 mil? 43, yeah. Um, 
Okay, we're both wearing Panerais today that are 44. 44. Um, I, t- I tend to wear we bigger ones. Exp- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, your Explorer 2, which which I've had a few of at 42, and that's a great size. And it, it I, I was very much into the big, you know, I had a, was into the Breitling Bentleys back in the day. They were 48, which yeah. are just disgusting to me at this point. But it was when I really got into vintage and, um, you know, I've got the sort of the pride of my, co- uh, again, it doesn't show up, but um, sort of the, the grail piece for many vintage collectors is to find, and Rolex guys is to find a birth year Rolex. And so I was able to find um, from a good friend that I bought a few things from and traded quite a bit, a, a birth year 5513 Submariner. Yeah, I've seen uh, that. that just I'm, has, I'm looking at that on your Instagram. That's a beautiful watch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I it's a beautiful it watch. Yeah, absolutely. And so for there, it, it makes things like a Tudor and 39 more of what, what I generally, what I generally wear, but, um, but that's yeah, a 40 millimeter, like, isn't it? Is that a 40 mil? Or it's a 40. 40. It's yeah. 40, but it's a small 40. I don't know why 40, 40 seems okay. Like my original, um, Omega Speedmaster Moonwatch, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. that's not a 40. That's, I think they're 39, aren't they? I think they're, if you, that's quite no, a sp- they're 41.2 or 41.5. Mm, I don't one. think the one I have is, it's very old. They um, did make them in, in, I think, 39. Yeah, mine's well. like a 70, 70 model. I forget which year it okay. is, 70 model. So it's it's quite small. That's probably one of the smallest watches I have, I think. Um, I also have a Flightmaster as well, which I which I don't really wear. It's just sort of kept away. It needs the bracelet repair, which was... It's one of the watches that I want, you know, talking about servicing and whatever. The the Omega Flightmaster is actually the watch that I should have brought with me to London. It's still in Sydney um, because I wanted to either – there's a place in, in London uh, in the Burlington Arcade in, in Mayfair. Yeah, and they will – yeah, that, you know, that store. So they'll actually yeah, do the, cool. the restoration on the watch. They send it to somewhere in the UK. I've, I've kind of looked into it. Or you can send it directly to Omega in Switzerland. I think I'd like to send it directly to Omega in Switzerland, and you can tell them which bits you want to keep. They'll real they'll redo the casing because my casing has almost become smooth now over time because it's quite old, and my back case back is like the plane is almost like dis- disappeared um, mm-hmm. because it's seventy seventy five Flightmaster, so it's you know very original. No box, no papers, but it's a very original um, watch that I've owned for. My wife bought it for me for my birthday quite a long time ago. But it's a lovely watch. And I think back to your earlier point, like the question everybody asks in the watch world is, does it have box and papers? And, you know, and in Porsche, do you have service records? It's the parallels are so are so similar. And, uh, you know, the the community, I think the the communal aspect of of watches and vintage watches. uh, And as I found so far in Porsche, I think is it's part of why we do it. And and I had to I, I set up a separate account because I started to get friends and family say, Oh, you're always showing off your watches. You, you know, you're kind of being arrogant. And it's like, it's not about that. It's not about flexing. It's about, you know, I got on Instagram originally to share my passion and to see, you know, what everybody else had and, and to learn and to be part of this community. And I found in Porsche has happened quite quickly. I, the example, I, I followed, uh, EBITDA, uh, Bernard oh, yeah, quite early Bernard. on and, in my 996 account and he and we started to have dialogue and um you know oh so cool to see you're in the you're in the game and um i was out on a walk just the other night and i, I walked by a guy with a, a big whale tail car i stopped him and said 
that's a cool car. Is it a 964 turbo? He said, no, it's a 930. And I said, oh, wow. okay. And, and we, nice. we'd sat and talked for 40 minutes about his car and my car and the fact that he's had 996 and they look out for this and do that. And where are you having it serviced? Oh, those are great guys. And it's like, you don't just walk up to strangers on the no. street and say, Hey, how you doing? You know, tell me about it. And, and so this, this community element I think is just, is really cool. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. <clears throat> and Porsche community, watch, watch community, you know, like I, you know, I've posted obviously watches on my Michael.bath Instagram. I probably should have a separate yeah. one, but I've met so many, you know, I've been introduced to so many people from posting those few watches and the few videos on YouTube, you know what I mean? And great people, great people that I talk to, you know, in London, all over the place, US, everywhere. And mm -hmm. it's, and it's great just to talk about, you know, people who get enthusiastic when you get something or you're looking for something and want to talk about it and say, Hey, I was looking like you said, I was looking for the same thing. Like the fact that you bought that Tudor, you know, I was, I wanted it as well. You know, this, this common thread that, yeah. that we have that you don't always, you know, you don't find when you meet, you know, I, I know a lot of people here in Bahrain and no one's really, uh, there's one guy actually, um, but there's no one really interested in watches or, or Porsches the way that you are, the way that we are. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. And that's what's great about social media. I think that's what's great about social in general is that you meet people with similar likes, you get to chat. And like you said, those interactions in the street, you know, I've had those interactions at traffic lights. I've had those interactions when I, when I parked the car in Sydney, you know, people just, someone will just come up to me. In fact, the first time I bought the car, Brian, you know, I parked it and, and someone came and started talking to me about the car. And I don't literally just picked it up an hour ago. We went and had, you know, ramen and, and, and the guys coming up to me and chatting to me. You know what I mean? Which was like yeah, kind of yeah. weird because when I had the Audi, no one yeah. came up to me and spoke to me. Right. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times in airports I've stopped guys or guys have stopped me and said, is that a 5513? Is that a Daytona? Is that a... And we've just, you know, gotten onto chats. And so uh, it really is cool. And, 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 for the most part, there's no, there's very little pretentiousness about it. And, um, you know, going back to my whole thing of like, oh, I have a Macan, are they really going to welcome me into cars and coffee? And it, it, it's not about that. It's just, it's about the passion and, you know, the things that we just talked about, which I think is so cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, vintage Rolexes, I need to get some. I don't really have any. Um, you need one, one. Your next one should be. It Well, my next one after... I mean, some of the listeners are probably going, get off the watches already, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> the next watch, uh, and I've decided, because I'm struggling to get one in London, and I know it's a lot of people are buying the, you know, it's not because it's the entry level, it's because I really like it. I want the Oyster Perpetual, um, and I'm going to get the yeah. Oyster Perpetual with the silver dial. Um, and I know a lot of people like all the colored dials. This is a watch for the listeners that come in reds and yellows and Tiffany blues and, and greens and stuff, and they're always really popular. I want the silver dial. I think that I've noticed even on Instagram that the silver dial, people are starting to notice it. I like it because it's just a sim simple watch. Um, the other watch that I really want is the um, Rolex Submariner, which comes in as, as you know, comes in date and no date. I want a no date. I'm still thinking mm -hmm. that I won't, even though I really do like the new model, I still think I want to get the one for, what is it, 1406M or whatever it is, 1460. The 14060. Yeah, 14060. Yeah. M, yep. that one. That's the one I think I will search out eventually. Well, if you're patient enough and depending on what you want to pay, we should stay in touch and I can always help you find something somewhere. So absolutely. Sounds so great. again, the great part about the community. Yep. Sounds fantastic. And you should tell me those, uh, those watch dealers that you use, they sound uh, very trustworthy, which, which I like. Um, Brian, we're almost at the end of the podcast. We've talked about watches for a bit. I hope everyone's enjoyed that. 
We're going to talk about now, the last thing I'd like to ask you is favorite drives. You've yeah. only had your 911 in your, in your garage for a couple of days. Um, but favorite drives in, in your area, someone comes to um, someone comes to Silicon Valley. Are there great roads around there you would say, take your 911 on, take your sports car, sports car on? What are the roads you're, you're thinking of or planning of, on driving on once the car is, is, is ready to go? So I'm quite fortunate in that we're sort of on the edge of Silicon Valley and, and near a, a town called Morgan Hill and Gilroy, which are much more rural. And there are quite a few, you know, two miles out my front door, I can find small, twisty, windy backcountry roads, which I drove the Macan on quite a bit. Um, but uh, as we were doing our first drive on Friday, my wife said, hey, we got to we got to get this thing to Monterey. Uh, as as all the car guys would know, and, and so seventeen mile drive in Monterey and in the Pebble Beach Forest is is certainly on our list. And, and I've driven it a hundred times in cars that I didn't care about for the for the scenery, but um, quite keen to to get there and and get the top down on seventeen mile drive. It's 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 a it's very it's majestic. Sounds fantastic. Do you ever plan to, um, on my list of things to do is to go to um, Stuttgart and get one of those Porsche Drive 911s and, and drive it around that region? Is that something you'd like to do? You know, it's a, it's a good question you ask that because, yes, I, I work, uh, I have a team uh, based in Waldorf, Germany, and my customer actually is based in, in Germany. So it was never on my radar, but I reckon next time uh, we have a chance to actually get out of the country that <laughs> I'll make time to go do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, 2023 probably. Yeah, <laughs> the way we're going. The way we're going. <laughs> All right, Brian, thank you so much. I think we're come to the end. Is there anything else you'd like to um, share with the listeners about your Porsche journey or your watch journey before we go? No, just that, um, you know, thank you. Uh, I, I think one of the things that I, you mentioned Hodinkee earlier, and one of my favorite features of what they do is is the Talking Watches series, which is basically like the owner stories. And you know, I love when you and Steve get on on Fridays and riff about various things, but it, it's when you can hear like-minded people in similar in similar situations. And and I've just really even if I don't particularly care for their car, their story has been really captivating. And and I think your podcast, uh, in particular for Porsche, is really underrated as as a source for information when when you're new into it, like I am, or uh, whether you're experienced. Um, you know, I learned a lot from from listening to your podcast, and uh, it's been great. I, I I love it. I've listened to every episode, and some of them, you know, two three times. Oh, that's great! So, Thank you so much, Brian. That's great. I'm glad it's I'm glad it's helped. Steve will be laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Steve will be laughing when he hears this. He says, "But you don't know anything. You're just an enthusiast." Um, thanks, Brian. That's that's I really really appreciate it. All right, I think that's it. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for being on Owner Stories. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, uh, that's Brian coming in from Silicon Valley in California with his 996 2001 911 C2 Cabriolet in lapis blue, a color I really like. And that's about it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.